and welcome to Feed and Flourish, the bite-sized podcast series from the Closters Forum with me, Hannah McInnes. In this series, I'll be talking to experts about biodiversity and about ways in which we can transform our food systems in order to positively preserve our planet. The Closters Forum brings together thought leaders and decision makers in the Swiss Alps to inspire discussions and cultivate collaborations around some of the world's most pressing environmental challenges. Hi, Hannah. My name is Jane Munke. I'm the Managing Director of the Food Packaging Forum Foundation, which is a charity based in Switzerland. And we do science communication about the chemicals in food packaging and all the other types of food contact articles. And what we're interested in is how those chemicals transfer into food and what the health impacts are if people ingest them on a daily basis. So for the sake of this podcast, given our focus is very much on the environment and on biodiversity when it comes to food supply systems, food systems, and obviously, of course, food packaging. What do you think are the most significant threats to human health, but also to the environment from these chemicals or from food packaging in general? Well, by training, I'm an environmental scientist. And um, what I learned in my education is that everything is connected. So human activity and environmental processes, the ecosystem, they're very closely interlinked. And um, the consequences of human activity on environmental uh, system health have become quite obvious in the last couple of years, I would say. And so if, if we zoom in on food packaging, the way I think about food packaging is that food packaging is necessary because it helps us to uh, store and preserve food over a long time. That's really important. Um, but the problems that we're having with food packaging in terms of plastic pollution, for example, or chemicals that are leaching from the packaging into the food and then causing health effects in people, they actually are symptoms of a larger problem. And the way that I look at it is that the food packaging is necessarily used today because we have a global food supply system and we have industrialized food production and we need food packaging to function in these huge globalized supply chains. And so that kind of links our topic of chemicals leaching from food packaging, plastic pollution to food supply biodiversity. Yes. So where food packaging is concerned, what then are the main priorities? What is it that needs to change going forward? So I think, um, first of all, uh, if I sort of look with a more focused perspective, I think people need to be much more aware of chemicals as an issue as such. Chemicals are boring. It's complicated. You can't see chemicals. But I do think that with plastic pollution, we actually have entered into that area of chemicals with, you know, very strong visuals. Think of the whales uh, that have died because they've eaten uh, flower pots and plastic bags or the turtles with straws in their nose and so on. And plastic pollution actually is, is a really important way to talk about chemicals because plastics leach chemicals. Plastics are not inert materials, they leach chemicals. And a lot of the chemicals that are used to make plastic, including the, the chemicals that leach from plastic, are known to be hazardous. And so we look at plastic pollution, we look at chemicals in terms of um, 
environmental uh, issues, environmental pollution, but it's actually also really closely related to human health because exposure, chronic exposure, that, that's day-to-day -day exposure to hazardous chemicals can actually cause adverse health outcomes in people. And so the other point is taking a step back how do chemicals fit into the bigger picture of all the other environmental challenges we're dealing with? Climate change, biodiversity loss, freshwater use, soil fertility loss, and so on. And so what I think is important there is as we move forward and find solutions to each of those separate problems, we mustn't lose focus or we mustn't um, lose sight of the bigger picture. So if I change something uh, in the chemicals sphere, for example, I switch to a, a green chemical or better packaging and so on. How does that impact climate change? Does it, does it cost me more energy? Do I produce more CO2 emissions when I make that packaging? What's the impact on water use and so on? So we really need to keep a holistic view when we're solving solutions. And I guess the the key example here is plastic recycling. It's really interesting because you talk very much in terms of individuals, individual habits that need changing. People often feel quite helpless, don't they, looking at these great big environmental challenges. But what would be your advice then to people when they're going about their day-to-day -day lives in terms of the things that bring them into contact with food packaging and the decisions they have to make when they're shopping and when we're not in quarantine times, when we're out and about. What sorts of things should people be looking to change? Well, I think simplify is, is a good first step. And you can also do that when you're quarantined at home. I think a lot of the stuff that, that, are, that we are led to believe that we need are not really things that we need. Um, so I, th I think the first step, if you want to change something, is really reflect upon what you purchase. Do you really need that? Um, then in terms of reducing your exposure to hazardous chemicals, I think buying locally, ideally organically and seasonally produced vegetables and foods that you then process your, at home yourself is a good first start. Um, we know that the more processed food you ingest, the more chemicals you're ingesting, synthetic man-made chemicals you're ingesting with that food because they come off processing equipment and so on and also the packaging of course. So that's sort of the under the simplification brand but then I would also say be critical, think for yourself. Um, as I mentioned before plastic recycling, I think there's, there's a lot of greenwashing going on about plastic recycling. Plastic is a material that um, can be recycled, but each and every time you recycle it, you lose material properties. If you do mechanical recycling, you're actually degrading the plastic while you're recycling it. And so it, 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 it's just simply not usable after maybe three to 10 recycling loops. So um, people have to blend in uh, new plastic with the recycled material. And I think that's something that a lot of people don't know about. And so they think, oh, okay, I can buy plastic, I can recycle it and feel good about it. But actually, it's not really benefiting the environment. The difficulty is, isn't it, that, as you said at the beginning, food packaging is necessary to preserve food. And it's hard to find 
food that isn't wrapped in so much packaging. It often seems unnecessary, but we could change our mindsets as individuals when we're looking. But it's often very hard to find. It's hard to find even bananas, avocados, things with thick skins that aren't coated in packaging. How can we all come together to change that? It feels like a societal problem that's really quite a big one that needs overcoming. I think we as consumers, we can raise awareness for that and we can make our voices heard that we want less packaging. But the the reality of the situation, I think, really also is that, um, yeah, packaging serves to preserve food, but packaging also has to work in very complex globalized supply chains and packaging also has to carry information and so uh, you mentioned bananas or avocados so sometimes they're just packaged in order to uh, distinguish them from bananas that come from a different origin (laughs) so it's the tracing of the food um, and then some types of packaging are necessary because uh, the way that the food is being filled into the packaging um, it's, I think for us as individuals, it's very, very hard to do something about that. I mean, we, we can just say globalization doesn't work for us. Um, the focus on just minimizing cost doesn't work for us. But then, of course, uh, the other side of that medal is then we have to be prepared to pay more for, for food. Of course, and paying more for food isn't really something that's an option for a lot of people. So, of course, no packaging at all is the ultimate goal. But if we're looking around, what other types of material are preferable to replace plastic? So I think um, the the best option for human health is, of course, to have packaging that is as inert as possible. And inert means it doesn't interact with the food. So it doesn't release chemicals into the food that it's that it's preserving. And that type of uh, packaging material does exist. So for example, uh, glass is an inert material um, or stainless steel is an inert material or ceramics. Um, Of course, you you always have to have uh, lids and closures for those, which sometimes can be problematic, at least in the case of glass jars, for example. But there are are good alternatives which don't um, lead to so much transfer of chemicals. Sure, both for humans and then also those are presumably, by extension, much better environmentally too. Well, yes, but only if those are reusable containers. So packaging that that works in a deposit scheme uh, made from those materials is that's really excellent. Yeah, that works well for human health, but also for environmental health. There's been quite a lot of controversy around paper packaging and people thinking it's much better to wrap things in paper or or cardboard. Does that end up being better for human health, but potentially also has its problems for the environment being burnt and that being released into the atmosphere? So um, paper packaging is um, a type of material that uh, falls into the same category as plastic in that in the sense that it's a non-permanent material. And as I explained before, when you recycle plastic a couple of times, you lose the material properties. The same is true for paper. Um, What's also true for these non-permanent materials is that they uh, can contain quite a lot of chemicals that, for example, uh, in the case of paper, are there because they're from printing inks. So if you think about paper recycling, 
we don't separate food packaging paper from newspapers and other types of paper. Um, but newspapers and magazines, when they're printed, they're not printed with food grade printing inks. So the chemicals that are in those newspaper printing inks, they will then stay in the paper once you've recycled it. And that actually in the last couple of years has been a huge issue because um, recycled paper has been used for food packaging. And we've um, seen in, in many studies that are high levels of these non-food grade printing ink chemicals can transfer into the food. Some of them carcinogens, um, some of them endocrine disruptors and so on. So that really makes recycled paper uh, really an issue of concern if it's used for food packaging. But also with virgin paper, you can have similar concerns because to making paper, okay, you, you use natural materials, you use natural resources, but you do add a lot of chemicals to them when you make them. And those chemicals, they can transfer from the paper into the food. So I would say as a very rough generalization, in terms of human health, paper is not necessarily a better alternative to plastic. That's really interesting. Just just finally, do you feel relatively optimistic that people are listening to the sorts of messages that you're trying to get out and that people are more ready to change and more aware of these things now going forward and into the future? Well, Hannah, that's a tough question to answer. I've been working on this issue for 13 years now, and sometimes I do get very frustrated um, because I, I feel like we've we've been saying the same thing over and over and over again. And sometimes, yeah, it does it does not feel like people are listening. But a couple of years ago, one of my friends, she um, gave me a quote by Sigmund Freud, um, psychoanalyst, who mm. said. Uh, the voice of reason is a soft one, but it does not rest until it is heard. And I think at the current time where we're in the middle of a terrible pandemic, um, the silver lining on the horizon for me is that, yes, people are starting to listen to science again, and they're starting to listen to the voice of reason. Because at the end of the day, it's it's science that can help us solve problems. And so, yeah, that's that's my optimism and my hope going forward that we will manage to break away from um, this focus on cost, which we've had uh, undeniably for the last few years. Every single discussion you've been in uh, about packaging and changing packaging systems and food supply, it's always cost, cost, cost. We can't do it. It's too expensive. And moving forward post-corona, I'm hoping that we will get some more voices to that table of decision making, which I mean, cost is important. I'm not I'm not trying to downplay that, um, but other things are equally important. And that would be my hope. It's absolutely fascinating talking to you. Thank you very, very much. Thank you, Hannah. Thanks for your interest.